it's really important to have those dialogues with your families because I know I'm not the only one whose families comment on their bodies and make them feel a certain way. And I think that you have to express how you feel. And then in a way, like, let it go and set your boundaries and then just sometimes like choose to ignore it because how they feel about themselves like does not need to be a reflection on how you feel about yourself. Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast and we are your hosts. I'm Rayanne. And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. Hello, hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the Confident Collective Podcast. Ray and I were saying we have not seen each other in a hot minute, and it feels so good to see your beautiful face. I know. It's so good. It's so good to catch up because we kind of got ahead of things because we were both traveling over like the 4th of July. So we're back in action. I need to know everything about your trip to Croatia. Did you have the best time? Oh, it was so amazing. I just love, (laughs) I just love Europe in the summer. I mean, who doesn't? That sounds so stupid, but it is, it was just incredible. And I had my first nude beach experience. Have you been to a nude beach? I have, yeah. Okay, I had never been to a nude beach. And so we went to this, well, one of my favorite things, my favorite day probably that we had there was we were in Dubrovnik and you can take this 10-minute like water taxi ride to this island called Lokram Island. And basically the history of the island is really cool. So there used to be a monastery there Mm -hmm. and then they sold the island to, oh my gosh, some royal family. And the it's said that the monks cursed the island and anyone who has ever owned this island has died a tragic death, which is, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Now it's like owned by the country, Croatia, the government. And it's for like people (laughs) to go and enjoy, but you can't spend the night there or anything like that. So anyway, we took this, this water taxi over there and it was just the most serene island. It felt like an adult summer camp almost like, there was little places that you could have a, your own secluded little beach spot. You could read in the shade. There was an area where you would walk over and there was all these like kids and families doing cliff jumping. It was so cute. Everyone was like hyping each other up and like encouraging people to jump off these cliffs. And then there was another place with like where you could go see the ruins of the monastery and walk through these botanical gardens. And then there was kind of a foresty area And there's a nude beach. So basically, you can just go to this island for the day and have a heyday, explore, all that stuff. So we were, I was like, Missy, we have to go to the nude beach. And she was kind of like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go. I went to Croatia with one of my good friends, Missy. And I was like, no, we are, we're going. So (laughs) we go and it was a very freeing and grounding experience. It wasn't like a beach that you picture like, you know, you have to see those pictures of the beach and everyone's like laid out and it's packed, it's jam-packed. This one wasn't like that. It was very rocky and everyone kind of had their own little spot. And because of like the way the levels of the rocks were, you can't couldn't necessarily even see people. Mm-hmm. So people were very respectful. And it was just, it was so freeing to be like naked and then swimming in the ocean naked. But as we were walking down 
to go <laughs> get in the water. It's really rocky. So we had our, we're just butt naked and we have our water shoes on and a boat drives by full of people <laughs> and the guy starts honking. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't really going with our, you know, Zen, calm, nudist experience. We were like, okay, hey, cool, cool, cool. But it was, it was a lot of fun. I highly recommend if you haven't, it was very freeing. We were just like laying out with like spread eagle, getting some sun on the yoni. That's so funny because I've been to several nude beaches, but I feel like I've never gone completely nude, only just topless. Oh, we were full nude. (laughs) And then, wait, did I tell you? I never told you about my nude beach experience in Orange County. Wait, I didn't even know there was a nude beach in Orange County. And it's called Black Rocks Beach. It's in Torrey Pines. Actually, I guess it's San Diego County. And Steve and I went the day after we got engaged. And we had no idea it was a nude beach. We went to it because there's this place called Glidersport where you can go hang gliding in San Diego. And while we got engaged, like at dinner that night, our waiter was telling us about things to do in San Diego. He's like, oh, you can go hang gliding. And I was like, I want to go hang gliding. Of course, Steve was like, this is the worst idea ever. Like, we're not getting engaged and going hang gliding the next day. I was like, yes, we are. So we go there, but there wasn't enough wind, so we couldn't hang glide. But there was like, look like this gorgeous beach underneath. And like the way it was, it was like super cliffs. So you had to walk down maybe like a thousand plus steps to get down to the beach. So we did it. We got down to the beach. We laid down. And then we're like, there's kind of like a weird air about things right now. Like what's going on? And we look, start to look over and everyone around us is naked, like completely naked. And it's mostly men. So there's just like penises hanging out all over the place. And we're like, what oh, yeah. the heck? And we had no idea. And we look behind and it says like nude beach. And we're like, oh my gosh. But at this point, you climb down like so many steps. You're not like coming. committed. And this is also Father's Day weekend. And we would see like families coming down and families parking their things on the beach. And then looking back and being like looking around, be like, oh my gosh. It was just so funny. There was clearly like not enough signage to tell you it was a nude beach. But I was like, okay, let's just have fun. Let's enjoy it. It was beautiful. But it was just like so funny. There was this guy in the beach with a cuff on his penis. Like I don't know what you call it. It was like a bracelet. Like he accessorized his penis. And, oh, damn. And it was glistening in the water. It looked like freaking gold member. It was the funniest thing ever. Like we still talk about it to this day. We're like, what? yeah, it was so ridiculous. So in case you want, in case you can't make it to Europe this summer, but you're on the West Coast, you can go to Black Rocks, Black Rocks Beach in Torrey okay, Pines in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah, it's very... You know, I, as I was saying, everyone was respectful, but I definitely was looking while I was walking by. Yeah, you I mean, can't like you just not. You take like a little peek. People were looking at me. I can look at them. Yeah, I feel like, Some, you know. It's, it's just like human nature. <laughs> respectfully. I did. I wasn't like gawking. Funny, that was really fun. And then it was so funny. So we were at this restaurant for lunch one day. We were kind of hungover. And my friend who I was with loves pizza. Okay, she just loves pizza. She's like... I found the best place for pizza in Dubrovnik. I'm like, okay, let's just go. It's like 11 a.m. We sit down, we have pizza. And our waiter is like really cute. He's really cute. Tall, probably like six foot four. Cute. And I'm like shoving this pizza in my mouth. I'm so hungover. And I'm like, Missy, this guy keeps winking at me. Like every time you would say something. He'd like be the like, waiter? The waiter. Okay. He's like, he'd be like, you girl, you good? And like wink. Like, And I was just like, <laughs> I'm like looking behind me. I'm like, what? I'm like, he's winking at me. I'm like, he's vibe. I'm like, Missy, he's vibing. He's vibing us. So anyway, at the end, I'm like, I'm like, what time are you done? Oh, no, I was like, what are you doing tonight? And he's like, oh, I don't have any plans. I'm done at seven. Do you guys want to do something? And we're like, yeah, you should come over and have like play cards and ha- drink, have wine, like bring friends or something. He's like, okay. 
so he's over at our apartment, our Airbnb, and we're playing cards and just drinking wine, and it was fun. And he was like, of course, Missy and I love to ask, like, stupid questions. We were like, what, what was your first impression of us? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, he was like, you know, some guys like skinny girls, not me. <laughs> I saw you guys and thought, hot, H-O-T, hot. And he just kept going on. He's like, I do not like skinny girls he's like no like he pulled up we, there was like a play on the table he's like some men like this the stick not me and we're just like okay okay we get it we get it <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny i was like oh my gosh we were just like laughing the whole time of like how he was just like going on and on and about how he was like loved us because we were not skinny and it was just so funny i'm dying that's hilarious wait what were the guys like there were they i i don't know what croatian men look like he was honestly, he kind of gave me Tom Holland vibes. But Croatian men are are tall and very attractive, and yeah, like he, him, and his friend left, and I just I sent him a message, and I was like, I wanted to make out with you, and then I put my phone away and got ready for bed, and I go to look at my messages, and it was like miss call, miss call. He's like, he's like, uh, he's like, I'm not far. I'll come back. And he's like, I'm outside your apartment. <laughs> oh, <my> sends me, <laughs> sends me a picture outside the apartment. He'd be sitting. He was sitting out there while I was getting ready for bed. I go out there. I'm like, oh my god, his friend is there too. I'm like, what is going on? So anyway, had a little vacation smooch and then sent them on their way. But he was wearing a fanny pack. So it really kind of perfect the vibe. Oh, I thought you, I feel like you would like a fanny pack. Mm, no, 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 no. The Croatian men love fanny packs. Like he wore it the whole night. So he, he wore it there and on the front. The fanny pack is on the front. Mm-hmm. And then he wore it the entire night. He it's didn't not like a crossbody bag. No, it was not a crossbody. It was cinched around, around the waist. His waist. <laughs> and his shirt was tucked in. It was just, I was just like, Oh, no, 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 no. But yeah, Croatian, Croatian men are hot. There was a lot of Australians there mm. in Croatia, which was interesting. But it was great. It was so much fun. We had an amazing time. That's okay. what I needed. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you had such a good time. It sounds amazing. Yeah, so you've had some major life changes since I last spoke to you. Nicholas went to preschool, which has been really, really interesting. Actually, Steve and I, like, I have just been, like, nervous to send him to school because he's, like, one, still young, but we, like, he, like, wants to play so badly with kids and he's, like, so social. We're like, okay, he, we know, like, he'll thrive in this scenario. We ended up finding a school, like, a couple months back that we liked and we put a deposit down to hold his spot. And then, like, me, crazy, not satisfied with anything. I was like, I need to find another school too. So I ended up finding another school that I liked even better and that's where we're sending him now. So technically, right now, he has a two schools he can go to because we paid for both of them like crazy people. I know. So anyways, he started school this week and we have just been like really skeptical about everything. We're like questioning everything, probably more so than other parents. Like I don't know if other parents like sent their kids to daycare before and they were just comfortable, but we didn't have any bad experiences. Like he didn't cry once. He was like, bye, love you. Like had so much fun. Uh, Couldn't have gone better, but we're still like skeptical and even Steve more so than me. So Steve went to pick him up yesterday. I'm like, Steve, stop asking me these questions you have. Ask them. I don't know the freaking answers to everything. Ask them. So he like still didn't get the answers he needs. He calls me after school. He was like, his undershirt is missing. 
I was like, what? He's like, I don't understand. Like, no one had an answer for me. Like, why his undershirt was missing. I was like, that's so freaking weird. And he was like, yeah, like, I don't understand. Like, why would they take off his undershirt? And he was like making me like feel like something weird was going on. Anyway, so me, I call like the the school. I'm like, hey, like what happened? Like, I just want to know because my husband was saying like, also, we didn't get any photos of him for the whole day. And we're like, that doesn't make us feel good. Like, he's not in the photos. And his undershirt is missing. And she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, it's been so busy. I have so many photos. We're still uploading them. I'm like, okay. And she's like, well, he was playing in the water. So we had to change like his whole outfit. So that's why. She's like, was there an undershirt? So freaking Steve, we had to, he has to have all these extra clothes in school. So they changed his entire outfit. Steve did not notice his whole outfit was changed. He just noticed that there was like a missing undershirt and became so dramatic about it and like made me feel like something was going on. And I'm like, Steve, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you do not notice his whole outfit is different. Like his whole outfit is different. And like they had all the extra clothes in the bag. And it was just like one of those things how like men do not notice like right. things that are right in front of their faces. But I'm surprised that he know. I I'm surprised he noticed the undershirt was missing and not the outfit. Like I, men make, don't notice things, but like that's a weird thing to notice. A weird like, detail that he that. paid attention to. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, it, he had a whole outfit change at preschool. He had a whole outfit change. Everything's fine. He's good. He's thriving. He's good. So that was good. And then other than like the preschool thing, we also just went to Tahoe, which was so much fun. It is so beautiful up there. And the best part about it was. Our friends live up there now, and these are two of our best friends from L.A. who left probably maybe 2019, 2018, but they were like our best couple friends that we'd hang out with every single weekend, and it was just like, I, I guess I didn't realize how much I missed them from our lives. We just had mm. so much fun, and they came with us to the Lake Club one day, and we just had like the booziest, like tipsy day ever, and it felt like, I don't know if you remember that movie, but it's like, three men and a baby. It just, it was like yeah. three guys because they're a gay couple and then me and we're like taking care of two kids and like having fun in between. And it's so fun. It was so much fun. And I also like, I'm like, wow, I really don't have close friends, honestly, in my life that I feel are part of my family and know my kids and hang out with my kids like that. And I was like, that is something I miss so much. And like someone who's just like, oh, here, let me take the baby in between margaritas. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was just like, this is exactly what I need in my life. And it felt so good to have that, even if just for a moment. Yeah. How fun. That reminds me, we would grow up, we grew up going to Breckenridge in the summers and it was like all my parents' friends and then their kids. And the parents would just go off and get like wasted. And then all the kids would just hang out and run wild in the, the cabin and around the woods. Like honestly, kind of crazy. And we had the best time. So it's it's cool that you're starting that and you can hopefully keep doing that as couple if you as you meet more couple friends and ha have friends who have kids, like making it a yearly thing. Yes, we need so that. Fun growing up, you need to do that. And we didn't have that growing up. Like my parents, like they had friends, but we never really vacationed with friends. Um, so I'm like, this is something well, that I'm we ready. need to do. Yeah. I'm we ready need to vacation. We need to do always. So the Last time we talked, last week's episode, you were thinking about looking at rentals in, on the East Coast. Do you have any update? I don't because a lot of homes started popping up again. Oh, and okay. it seems like there's been an inventory increase in the areas that we're looking at. So we're like, okay, like, honestly, if we could just buy a house and move in and get settled, we would much rather do that than have a temporary place. Right. So that's what we're looking into. And 
there's like a couple prospects that have popped up that we're really excited about. So we're sending my parents this weekend actually to go look at a couple places for us and okay. see what happens. So fingers crossed. I'm also like, I feel very much like what's meant to be will be. So yeah, I'm not as much as I am in a rush because I feel like my life's been on delay a little bit. I just am patient at the same time, you know? Yeah. Gotta be patient. What's right will be right. Well, what are you obsessing over this week, Christina? Okay. Well, as annoying as it is, my Instagram has not worked in almost a week now. I cannot consume any content at all. All I see are gray images, gray videos. I can't watch a single person's stories. I can't even when people message me, they'll be like, oh my gosh, can you send me the link to that? Or like, oh, I love that. Or comment on something. I have to be like, can you let me know what you're messaging me about? Because I can't even see what they are responding to my stories about. That is so weird. It is so weird. It's happened since Thread started, I guess. And I just assumed it was Lake Tahoe having bad service for a minute. And I was like on vacay. So I wasn't like really checking like people's stories or feeds anyways. Like I didn't really care that much. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like actually like an issue. And I have like three different people trying to help me with it. Like my managers, I have like another team trying to help me. But in a weird way, it's become this social detox that I didn't know I needed. And it is so crazy. I know we talk about this a bunch, but like how much you become so consumed in other people's lives who don't even freaking care about you, who have nothing to do with you and how easy it is to kind of compare your life to someone else's on social media. And me being able to not consume anyone's content has honestly sparked so much creativity in me and like excitement of like things that I want to do because it's almost like I can like stay in my lane and I'm like forced to just work on me and like not consume anything. And I... It's been a real blessing in disguise, honestly. Wait, an involuntary social media detox. detox. Mm-hmm. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, because I normally like I'll scroll TikTok and stuff like that. I think because Instagram's not working and that is like the main platform I use. I'm like, I'm not even interested in being on social media at all. Because I'm like, oh, social media is not working for me. So I've just been on this detox and I'm kind of obsessed with it. I feel like a type of mental clarity that I haven't felt in a while. Okay, that's a very good sign, Christine. I know. Isn't that crazy? So what do you think this is going to mean for you moving forward? Well, it's actually crazy because there's been this series and this project that I've been trying to work on for a long time. And I feel like I it's always been in the back of my mind that I've been wanting to work on it, but I haven't been able to get it off the ground. And just yesterday, I was like, I'm hiring an assistant to help me produce it and like get it started and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, not even a full week of not being able to access other people's content has made me just like focus on my own. And it's, it's just Maybe made I me, do, I think I need to do a detox. You might, if you're feeling a certain way, you might need to, it's crazy. And I've still been posting, like I can still post content, but I can't even see the content I'm posting. So I'm just like posting blindly. And also it's another thing. I'm like, I don't even care if anyone engages or anyone sees anything because My Instagram does not work. Like, I literally can't see a single thing. It's just gray. It's so weird. But as annoying as it is, it's been a a very nice, refreshing change. And I would encourage anyone, if they're feeling a certain way, to maybe, like, actually, I know we say, like, oh, take a social media break. But you'd be surprised on how beneficial it can be for your mental health, for your productivity, for your relationships. Kind of wild. I love that. Yeah, so maybe you need to do it too. 
I know. Okay, I have so this is like a two two prong obsessed because I just have, I love I'm back in New York and I just love New York. Like this weekend, I was like my friend was like just come out for a drink, just meet us for one drink. I'm like okay because I'm 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 resting when I'm at home, which maybe on next week's episode I'll go into the difference between like a trip and a vacation Mm -hmm. but I'm resting when I'm at home so I'm like no I'm just gonna like chill I'm chill and then I'm like you know what I'll just go out for one drink saying that in New York never happens no you're out till like 3 a.m no I was out till I was out till 2 and I went to Brooklyn Mirage for the first time which is kind of like a big outdoor concert venue and like normally it would never be my scene and, like, I told my, my two friends are, like, love it. And I'm like, you guys, I just don't know. But, like, these two girls are the perfect girls to go with. And it was, I had the best time. And it was actually very, like, sometimes I think I can be, like, a little bit uptight. And it was just very freeing to just be like, okay, yes, EDM, it's, like, house music. But I just was, like, vibing. And I was looking around and everyone was just, like, free and having a good time. I think I had a lot of misconceptions about house music and all this stuff and, like, going to see a DJ. I just was like, oh, my God, I just don't know. Am I, like, jump, like, can't wait to go to another one? No, but I was there and it was fun. I was like, okay, this is actually fun. I do think also, like... There's party favors. Party favors help. Yeah. Like in the past, I haven't had any party party favors. And this time I was like, oh, okay, this is this is a vibe. Anyway, as I'm leaving, we had so much fun. It was just like great energy. This girl comes up to me named Anna Lucia, and she's like, I love the podcast. And I sat and talked to her, and she speaks Spanish. And my friend Chumi was with me who speaks Spanish. And I was so glad Chumi was there because I was able to like talk through the both of them. And so this is shout out to Anna Lucia because we just had the best combo and she was so excited. She was saying how much she loves the podcast, Christina. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I just was like, it was so fun. And we run into people quite a bit uh, like who listen to the podcast or follow us, whatever. But Anna Lucia just had the best energy and it was so fun to just chat with her. And it was like, I was in this place that I never would normally be. And she just had the most kind things to say about the podcast and you and I. And it was just a good little refresher. Because I think sometimes we talk about this, like with the podcast, it's not like an Instagram post or work you put out where you can see people's feedback all the time. Like Mm -hmm. it's a little bit, it's definitely just a different platform. And so when we see you and in person, you say you listen to the podcast and you love the podcast. It means so much to us. So that was my obsessed. It was, it just made my night. Wait, that makes me so happy. Anna Lucia, yeah. I love you. Thanks yes. for listening. Wait, can I <laughs> confess something? So Ray and I, first of all, I can't believe you've never been to an EDM concert. Do you not like house music at all? I mean, I would just not, I, I, if you asked me that, I would be like, not really, no. Uh, but now after that, I was like, okay, it's it's pretty good. Like, I, I just don't think I would ever turn it on, like, at my house. That's so funny, because whenever I work out, that's all I work out to. That or, like, angry no. emo music. I love house music, but okay. Anyways, so funny. So when, so Ray and I, when we do these podcasts, like a lot of times we'll write down like our thoughts into a document and we'll just to make sure we're on the same page with things and just to have like everything in one place that we know what we're talking about. So I saw that you wrote Anna Lucia and I don't know why. I'm like, Anna Lucia. I was like, is that a celebrity? So I like, I'm like, let me make sure I know who she's talking about. So I Google Anna Lucia 
<laughs> as like a celebrity. And I'm like trying to figure out, I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. I was like, okay, maybe she'll tell me about like someone cool on TikTok I don't know about yet or someone you ran into. Oh my God. So, But this is even better. It's so much cooler. So much cooler. Wait, that's so funny. You're like, who is Anna Lucia? Who's Anna Lucia? They're actually, so I found this actress. This is so funny. Like the only Anna Lucia is this girl who's an actress who was also in the movie Blue Crush. Oh my gosh. Wait, I know. I love her. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, so I was like, oh, Ray Ran into her. That's cool. <laughs> so that's hilarious. Yeah. So, so funny. But this was great. And honestly, yeah, that that always just makes my day when someone comes up and like says something about the podcast because you're so right. It is a really hard platform for us. Like as much as we love doing this, it's it's not forward facing where you're interacting with your audience all the time. So like honestly, the only way that we know that you like our podcast or are listening is if you share our episodes on stories or if you like leave a comment or a rating in Apple. Like otherwise we have no idea. And sometimes we're like, oh, like do people even care? Do they even like this? Are they even listening? Yeah. So just so you know, like what we're thinking, because maybe you're enjoying it, but we're like, is anyone even enjoying this? So the feedback helps a lot. And obviously meeting you guys in person is the best. Yes, much appreciated. Well, should we get into today's episode, Christina? Yeah, let's do it. So today we have our second Going Deeper with Rosie. If you haven't listened to the first one, go back and listen to that. It was so good. We got very raw and open just about things like we're, we're struggling with. And in today's episode, we're talking about how we were raised and how our parents and those situations have affected our confidence now that we're adults. I think this episode could be really valuable because I think a lot of times you're like, why am I the way I am? You know what I mean? And it's not until you actually reflect on your life, conversations you've had with your parents, with your friends, like throughout your upbringing that you're like, wait a minute, like that actually affected me. And how can I take that knowledge that now that I know this is the reason I feel a certain way and improve on it? So I think we all have very different life experiences, but there's a lot of things that we can all relate to. So I hope you guys find this episode super relatable and let us know what you think of it. Let's get into it. We are back with another episode of Going Deeper with Rosie. And today we're going to go back in time, okay? Because I think a lot of times when you're trying to change something in your life or change patterns or, you know, people ask, okay, how, how the heck do I become more confident? It can be very overwhelming. I think it's important to go back and look at your childhood, your formative years to kind of see what patterns were instilled in you, what messages were told to you, because that has so much to do with who we are now, and especially when it comes to confidence. So we're going to have a little chat about what it was like for each of us and kind of just have an open conversation about how confidence was talked about in our households or if it wasn't and, and all of that good stuff. So we'll just, we'll just get into it. Are you ready, guys? I'm ready. I'm excited. I feel like this is such an important conversation, like establishing the who, what, where, why Mm -hmm. of how we were raised and how that affects us is so important. So let's do it. Let's dive in. I'm so excited to talk about this as well, because I think hearing you say that, right, it makes so much sense that like it comes from our family of origin or in those formative years, like we, we get all of our cues and signals and messages about how we're going to, you know, walk through the world. But interestingly, like it, for me, at least growing up, it was never framed as like, here's how to be confident, right? Like it was, Mm -hmm. or here's how to like 
enter into a room with your head held high. Like a lot of the teaching around that for me at least was very passive. It's kind of learning, looking at your parents, looking at your siblings, you know, extended family and that messaging is how, you know, kind of what shaped and informed that information growing up, you know? 100%. And I think it's really important to look at the good and bad because I see so many things like on TikTok, on Instagram, people are like, childhood trauma, my parents fucked me up, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's like, okay, no parent is perfect. Yeah. There's positive and negatives. And I think it's just important to like find that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, who wants to go first? I don't know, Christina. Oh. Take it away. <laughs> well, I guess I think about, I think about this a lot, right? Because I have children. Mm-hmm. So for me, like being a good role model to my children is the most important thing. I, I honestly think that there is nothing more important to teach your child than confidence. Because mm-hmm. I think if they have confidence in themselves, they can quite frankly navigate any situation. Yeah. It's so important to me. So when I look back on my upbringing, I think my parents did an amazing job of overall making me feel like a really confident human being. I remember my dad, especially always saying like, the most important thing you'll ever have is respect for yourself. If you don't have respect for yourself, then Mm. no one else will have respect for you. Like that's like a message I carried with me through everything. Mm. And it was important like to have respect for yourself. Like even to the point where, I mean, this might be like a little far, but when we were children, we got our first screen names on AOL. He made us like have our screen names, have our name in it. Because it's like, you need to be, your name needs to be align in everything that you need that you do you have to make sure that like you are proud of what you are doing what you're putting out there because your name's attached to it wow how old were you I mean like 11 wow (laughs) girl I was in middle school for sure wow so I was like daddy's was on it he was on it he was really on it so branding began at a young age (laughs) it really did my nick my screen name was chrissy 4775 amazing 47 because that's my birthday 75 is because my childhood crush just uh-huh. FYI. But that was something that oh was really God. important that I just always, always stood out for me. And another thing that my mom always did is you cannot get anything past Liz. No one will ever take advantage of her. The way she stands up for herself, the way she is so outspoken is insane. Can and you incredible. give like an example? Gosh, it could be like anything so silly. Like the first thing that comes to mind, and this is like something that I feel like a lot of people get uncomfortable with. But let's say she's shopping at TJ Maxx or Marshalls, okay? Because she loves a deal. As we all do. As we all do. If someone, like, she'll always check the receipt. And she'll be like, oh, you actually charged me twice for this. Mm. And it was like those little things. That's, oh, my gosh. Like, mom, I can't believe you're saying that. No, but that's an extension of confidence. Like, not being afraid to, like, make a fuss. Like, especially for women. Like, a lot of it is, like keep the peace, Mm -hmm. you know, don't check the receipt. If someone's wronged you, like, don't, you know, don't worry about it. But actually for her to be like, I'm not a Karen by actually stating what's fair. I can do it in like a calm and polite and kind way. 100%. She always did. toe a firm bottom line. 100%. I love that. Yeah. And I think I took a lot of that with me too, because I'm not afraid to like speak up for myself. And I think I can do it in a gracious way that's Mm -hmm. not being bitchy or like threatening or, or threatening. aggressive yeah or, just yeah. like letting you know what's up and I feel like that I definitely got that from my mom for sure yeah because my dad will be like eh whatever they charged me twice <laughs> I'm not going back you know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. Liz will say something interesting yeah I feel like even as like we're talking my brain is like 
like, I'm like, it's so hard to, honestly, it's so hard for me to remember things like going back and like, what, what the heck even happened? I'm very impressed that you have these very specific examples, Christina. Wait, I have more. Um, Okay, go. It was so important to be a well-rounded individual. Okay. And frankly, very fortunate to grow up in a household where we had the means to do certain things. Like my parents, you have to play an instrument, you have to do sports, you have to be involved in everything. So I feel like they also practice what they preached. Not only do you have to be in sports, but like, okay, I don't want to do this. Well, then my dad will be the coach Mm -hmm. or my mom will take a piano lesson with us Mm. and stuff like that. And I feel like just making sure that we were involved in as many things as we could to really try and find our passion was so important to them. It wasn't like as cookie cutter, like, okay, like you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job, whatever. It's like, okay, what do you want to do? Because you can do anything. So let's try and make sure that you're exposed to as many things as possible to try and find your passion. Yeah, we had that growing up. We were allowed to do... I'm from a five-girl family. So single that's mom, so five girls. That's like, a, that's amazing. Yeah, like part-time sorority. Cool. <laughs> so we were allowed to do one thing each, right? And, you know, things are expensive. We grew up... And I grew up in a kind of more humble... You know, we were probably not as well off as a lot of people. But interestingly, that was kind of a little bit of the making of us girls, I think, growing up in that way. But anyway, we're allowed to do one thing each... And my mom's rule, though, was always if you've started it and you don't like it, you have to see it through till the end of the term mm-hmm. or the end of the, like, however long I've paid for. She's, and, and that was kind of birthed out of necessity. I was like, well, I've paid for it. you got to go. Like, yeah, this is your sure. thing. But I think it's a great for, lesson. Yeah, but there was never any pressure in our family to, like, have to do a certain thing or be a certain It was like you have to play piano and speak French and also do a sport. It was like, well, what do you want to do and what do you want to try? And, you know, and I, and I like that. And I do think that that, like, having as a young person and as an adolescent, like this space to be allowed to form your identity and not necessarily like to know straight away. Like I always Mm -hmm. think of people that are like, I've been a dancer since I was four. And I'm like, and they're incredibly talented and disciplined and amazing. And I'm giving dancing as the example. But sometimes I think to myself, like, did you get a chance to like try try all the different things, you know, like... Well, it's really interesting about that is did you and all your sisters have different activities? <laughs> we were a really big Girl Guide family. Is that a thing here? A what? You know how you have like the boys, Like Girl Scouts. Scouts right? Oh, yeah. I love Girl Scouts too. So in New Zealand, it's called Girl Guides. So you would do Pippins, Brownies, and Girl mm-hmm. Guides. And like we were just the little like little women of sewing badges onto our things and like selling cookies and yeah and so we all kind of did that but yeah we had varying interests like one of my sisters was more of a tomboy she would like do taekwondo and then the other one was like really into netball and Mm. I was into like kind of a mix of things you know so I think having the chance to try a lot of stuff but also like you say like I knew that there was no one flavor you know, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, well, my sister likes this. Like, would I like that? You know, and I, and that was really helpful. I think that's really important as a parent because it's so easy. Gosh, parents are so freaking tired. I am so tired. <laughs> and you're trying to like do the best for your child. And you want to get them involved in things. And then it's so easy to just be like, oh, like your brother loves soccer. You do soccer as well too. Mm-hmm. So I think for parents to see each of their kids as individuals is really incredible and probably mm-hmm. easier said than done. So yeah. You know what is crazy to me? We can basically order anything we need and it will be on your doorstep in 48 hours or less. Like I can go online, find the top rated air fryer, click purchase and have it basically the next day. We have so much at our fingertips. But if you want to get in to see a good doctor, it can take months, months. Like I feel like getting into a good doctor can take forever. And it's just crazy to me. This is our health we're talking about. 
Thankfully, ZocDoc is trying to fix that. ZocDoc is a place to find great doctors who actually have amazing reviews, many with appointments available within 24 hours. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 48 hours, which we love because when you need to get in to see the doctor, you need to get in ASAP. You can even score some same-day appointments. I used this a few months ago because obviously I'm new to New York City and I had absolutely no idea where to start with finding a doctor. And then I was like, duh, ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash confident and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc.com slash confident. ZocDoc.com slash confident. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day and even brought the travel packs with me to Tahoe. One, because I just love the consistency. And two, because whenever I'm on vacation, I find myself eating and drinking whatever I want. And it just makes me feel a little bit better that even though I'm eating pizza and burgers for every meal, at least I'm taking my daily vitamins. I originally started taking AG1 because I was like, Christina, you're in your 30s. You need to take vitamins. But to be honest with you, I'm just not great at taking pills every single day. Sometimes it just feels like a chore. And I would often take vitamins for a few weeks and then fall off. But there's something about starting your day off with a drink full of 75 vitamins and minerals that actually taste good that makes you feel like more of a part of your daily life than something you have to do. I drink AG1 in the morning before my coffee and before the kids wake up. It makes me feel like I am starting my day off on the right foot and that I'm giving my body what it craves. It helps with your daily energy, your gut health, and mental focus and clarity. AG1 is not only a high-quality all-in-one solution for daily foundational nutrition, but it also saves you time, confusion, and money. And each serving costs less than $3 a day, which I don't know about you, but I am spending sometimes $8 a day on coffee. So this is a bargain in comparison. That's not a lot compared to individual supplements that can add up or for a daily habit that gives you powerful long-term results. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash cc. That's drinkag1.com slash cc. Check it out. I always think as well about the whole like, where did your confidence come from? And, you know, you guys have both kind of made the videos of when you walk in the room, if you're walking in Mm -hmm. hunched down or you're walking in heads up. And it's funny, like for my family growing up, you know, we were, like I said, like maybe a little less well off than the rest. And the energy that your family brings when it walks into a school or a social event or even your friend's house. And like you, you know, for us, like, you know, single mom, we would kind of like little ducklings, like follow in behind our mom. And so the energy that she brought into the room and the space would be what we would replicate and mirror. And like, Mm -hmm. I feel like really lucky because my mom was very, she was, when I say proud, I feel like we think of proud as like being to your detriment, like, oh, you're too proud. But she, in the best sense, was a very proud person. She would enter every space like she was allowed and entitled to be there. And the other thing that I think was really formative for me is that my mom was like, well, 
you know, it's just me. So if you, the lawns need mowing and someone needs to go fill up the lawnmower with gas, I'm doing it. And like, oh, this thing broke and needs, oh, you want to get a rabbit? I'm going to build you a rabbit hutch. Like, she didn't know how to build rabbit hutches. Like, that's like ridiculous. She figured it out. She figured it out. I mean, this is a whole other tangent, but the things that my mom has just figured out how to do on her own. I went to her house once and she was like, oh yeah, I'm renovating my bathroom. Like, oh, that's nice. Thinking she's just like painted it. They just plumbed in a new toilet yesterday. I was like... That is so something you would do. Like one time I came over and Rosie was like fucking regrouted her whole bathtub. I was like, okay. Yeah, but but that's like relevant to the conversation. Like where did I learn or get the confidence or the audacity to be like... Like you guys see that thing online. It's like, I have the confidence gene of pretty much just thinking I can do anything. There's no DIY project I wouldn't take on. That's kind of true of me. But she really role modeled that. I don't know if I would have felt confident to do some of the less traditionally, you know, like feminine stuff had I just not seen her doing it and getting on with it. Like Mm -hmm. she'd go mow the lawns on a hot summer's day and come in and crack a beer. And then, but then the next minute be like sewing our Barbies costumes, you know? And I, for me, I think that was the biggest thing that impacted me is just having a role model that wasn't limited to certain sort of societal roles. Like Mm -hmm. she just had to out of necessity. Right. But therefore, as an adult, I feel so much more capable in a lot of practical ways. And yeah, that hinges upon confidence. I will say that definitely I feel like translates to being a go-getter. You're like, if there's anything, you're just like, I'll do it. You know, there's no doubt. You're just like, okay, well, let's just fucking do it. I think it's funny. Like there are genres of confidence. Like put me in a Home Depot or like teach me how to, or I'm trying to figure out how to do something, fine. Put me in a, an environment like you guys. Like when if you're like, oh, Rosie, do you want to take a photo? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, right, when we're in Hawaii, you're like, oh, do you want to take a photo? I say, like, oh, okay. I like lean against the Jeep and I'm like, so uncomfortable. <laughs> like I literally wanted the earth to swallow me. And so it's like different kind of genres of confidence. Yeah, but remember when we were at the gym, I was like, literally about to pop one week before I ended up giving birth. And I was like, wait, I could have the baby right now. And Rayanne was like, I would literally have no idea what to do. And Rosie's like, I got this. <laughs> I got yeah. this. So we were all confident in different ways. Well, yeah, but I saw my mom like give birth to my two sisters at home. Mm-hmm. So it's like experiential confidence, yeah. right? Kind of what we're talking about. It's like, what unique things were you exposed to that gave you the feeling of being equipped and like I in that situation like I grew up around a lot of other women who were very you know like just focused on you know yeah I went to like home births and I saw people you know just support one another in that way and I saw women you know my mom and her friends they would really be a village to one another and so that confidence to like you know be in that environment was great confidence to walk into a gym like you do absolutely fucking not confidence you know like get in front of a camera hell no so yeah it's just interesting I definitely feel like I got my entrepreneurial spirit from my mom like she started her own business and always I would say my household did not necessarily have typical gender roles my mom always worked as well as my dad And my mom, like I said, started her own business. And like my dad did a lot of the cooking and it was never, and my mom did too. It was very much more like 50-50, I feel like in our house. But I definitely think when it comes to like business and starting your own thing, and I didn't realize this till later, I do think I got a lot of that from my mom because I saw her do it. And so it wasn't like this like foreign thing to me. I was like, oh, like my mom did it. Like I can do it, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I mean, I plan to be with Steve for the rest of my life. But I'm like, mm, I'm pretty sure I could like find a prince too. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel pretty confident in all aspects overall. 
Except right now, in a way, just because I just feel like I can't think properly or act properly because I think it's just hormonal, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, Christina, like, that's a really valuable part of the conversation is that, like, the things that we sometimes feel really great about, like, we are going to have seasons of our life where we're vulnerable. And whether that's, like circumstantial you know people go through separations or breakups or they have children or they are in a situation where finances are really hard or they're stepping outside of their comfort zone to to take a you know a leap towards trying something they've never done before taking risk and it's like kind of you know we've had versions of this conversation that like it's okay for things to fluctuate Mm -hmm. it's okay for there to be times where we like you know, whether we've talked about this more so in relation to like our bodies, like sometimes we're going to feel great in the skin that we're in and then other times it's going to be a challenge again and, yeah. and that you're never back to zero. I always like to think of things as along a long line. You know what I mean? Like actually you're always moving forward if, mm-hmm. you know, but there are times in life where you're moving forward at a slower pace and there are times in life where you're like surging forward. And so it's the vulnerability that you feel right now postpartum like in yourself isn't, isn't dropping off a cliff, isn't turning sure. around, isn't giving up. It's just you're collating a different set of information that you, I mean, this is your second child, but that like in this season of life that you haven't done before, yes. you know? And so I just think, do you, do you f- feel and think differently about this? Like, is there part of you that's like, I feel maybe a little bit more vulnerable postpartum, but I know cognitively I'll return to my former self? Yes. Okay. For sure. So it's, a, it's just like the two different places kind of, they little they kind of unravel a little bit, but you can speak from like a cognitive place as well as like an embodied place. One hundred percent. Like in my body right now, like I don't feel good. Like I don't feel like myself, but I know that's not who I am, and I know I will get there again. I'm just moving at a much slower pace. Yeah. Um. But and I think it's just the stage of life, and I think a lot of women postpartum experience this, and there's like ups and downs, obviously. Yeah, but it's a super, super weird feeling to be like, okay, like I'm just not myself right now. Yeah. But I know I'll get back there. Do you have other people that are in the same boat as you? That my you, sister. And so do you, and do you guys share on this like yes, with one totally. another? Literally all my friends. I actually got dinner with my friend the other day and she was like, she was really reframing because I was telling her a little bit how I'm feeling. She's like, Christina, you just had a baby four months ago. Yeah. She's like, think about like everything that you're doing. And I was like, oh, you're right. You're right. Like, I'm just really hard on myself. But like the truth is, is like, most people, like, at bare minimum, get three, four months maternity leave. Yeah. I, like, took, what, two days? Like, nothing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. But then did you ever have role model to you, like, growing up that, like, it's okay to, like, rest? No. Okay. That's a negative, I will say. Yeah. My mom, literally, I don't think I slept in 30 years. So it's, like, this amazing <laughs> thing about her. I mean, I've seen, when you go home and you post all the dishes that your mom's cooked, yeah. I love cooking, and I look at that, and I'm like, I don't just think, oh, wow, that looks delicious. I'm like, that is four days of cooking on that one table. Yeah, 100%. You know? And so it's just, like, you know, we, we're talking about confidence today, but but it's it's not just cut and dry. This helped and this didn't. It's, like, when we are growing up and forming our identities, and a part of that is confidence, there's so much messaging that we receive. And For so sure. like, you know, for you. I will say in my household and specifically with my mom, she like somehow can do more than any other human. She can do, she might be a robot. (laughs) She like is advanced AI. We're just figuring this out right now. GBT. Literally. (laughs) But the amount that she can do in a day is, I would say like that, like what 10 people would do. 
And I think that there's for sure that pressure to like have to always do everything and like do it well. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think it took me a while to realize like where that came from. And is that the internal voice that you have with yourself when you're like, oh, I've got to do this or I'm not doing enough of that? Like, does that enter in or do you feel like now as an adult, you've kind of created your own I don't necessarily feel like I have to do things for anyone else. Like, it's like just this, like, I want to be really fucking successful. Yeah. And that's not a negative thing. And like, I love my job and I don't want it to stop. And I love being a mom and I want to be the best mom. So it's like, I, there's just, I want to do a lot of things and I want to do them well. So I just feel like there's, Sometimes I can't stop. And sometimes like reaching our own limits is how we know where our bounds are. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like it's not that things have to be like well thought out and planned and you're like, oh no, this is what I planned and this is what I'm doing and everything's happy dandy. You're like, I maybe need to get to the point where I feel emotional or this is too much or I want all these things, but how do I achieve it? Whatever. And then you find your limit. Yeah. And then you find, you sort of touch the edges of it. And so it's like, it's not a bad thing to for that to be the path of discovery to know for yourself what works and what you want mm-hmm. or what doesn't. Right. Or and sometimes just realizing that you don't know what you want. Oh hell yeah, that is the story of my life. Yeah, that you don't know what you want. Because I will say the one thing that I feel like it's been even harder for me, and I'm naturally like an indecisive person, but now I feel like because of this vulnerability and maybe like a lack of confidence in all aspects of my life just because I really think of the hormones and postpartum life in Mm -hmm. general I feel like it's really really hard for me to get anything done Mm. but then at the same time I know I'm like doing a lot of shit you know but it's hard for me to get things done and make important decisions yeah whereas in the past that's not it's not felt like that for you I I mean I've like looked like, let's be real. I've been debating whether or not to move East Coast, West Coast for a, a long time. <laughs> but, you know, I think now, yeah, it's just a little bit more difficult. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I didn't have a baby and I feel like I can't get things done and I can't make big decisions. So it's fine. Yeah. And also, like, we can't measure our worthiness or our access based on how much we get done. Like, that's literally a trap. Like, that's set up to fucking make us, like, we we have to, like, break that cycle. And, like, sometimes being your best person and, like, being successful means not burning the candle at both ends, you know? Yeah. But don't you think as well that like part of what we're talking about, like figuring it out, you know, like we're talking about growing up and how those formative years impact us, but like our family values stay with us throughout life, right? Like we we circle back to our families for approval or for belonging or acceptance. And as we're living our own life and creating our own families or our own norms that like, there's always that part of us that will still kind of like measure back. And like, if you're then on the phone to your mom being like, oh, this is hard or whatever. And then it's like, how do we as adults, if we've created a life that maybe is a version or a bit of a separation from what we were raised on, continue to hold that up without feeling like we're separate from our families or we're, you know, like doing it in such a fundamentally different way than how we were raised. You know what I mean? And I often think about this like, with families and like physical confidence that like you're going to always want to assimilate to the group of your family because that was your first place of belonging. That was your first room that you entered into where you wanted to like be a part of it. And so like as we grow and like, you know, develop in our relationships with ourselves, sometimes for me at least, maybe this is like a little codependent, but like I feel like I can only do that to the degree of acceptance of those around me Mm. and I've had to really challenge that as an adult because I'm like I don't want my 
progressions in life to be limited to the like status quo of what is normal within whether it be my family or my friendship circles or whatever like I've had to take time as an adult to be comfortable being an individual sometimes being an individual is like a solo journey at first and you don't then have those people around you to kind of be like no you're good Mm -hmm. like you just have to find that in yourself you know yeah, so 100%. for you, it's like, Christina, maybe you're in a season of redefining what is enough. Like what is what is the place where you don't have to put pressure on yourself to be, to do, to produce, to like meet some standards. Because if you did nothing tomorrow, if you didn't please a single person and you just showed up exactly who you are, like you are already abundant, like in, right. in your nature and exactly who you are. And like, you know, your husband, your children, your friends and family, like just being in proximity to you and relationship with you full stop that is enough like there's not a deficit yeah and I know that yeah I know you yeah I know that like there's that (laughs) but it's like but but what we know cognitively how do we translate that into our like kind of embodied experience and like I think you make valid points hormonally like things just need to level off again but how do you make sure that in this season where things are a little like wonky that none of those things that you know actually mentally aren't true don't take root in your like inner being like I will tell you how I do that. I cry to Steve. Oh, Steve. Steve's the best. Is he? Yeah. He's your oh, like... we love Steve. Yeah. How does he correct stuff for you? Like, he just reminds you... Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's that North Star and that like... He's for sure my North Star, yeah. And everything oh. I do, yeah. Christina, you're making oh me cry. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> he no, is. Why we all need a Steve. We, everybody. He is. I'm really, really lucky to have him and because... I was thinking about this the other day. I was just feeling like so shitty about myself mm. and about things. And I was like, you know what? I'm like so lucky. I have a partner who like literally took the day off, canceled all of his stuff and just came with me for the whole day and did all my events with me and like came with me to everything. Mm. And he really is like, if I have like any anxiety, like any concerns, any insecurity is like, he is able to make me look at myself in such a different way. He's, mm. he really is my North Star, like my guiding light. Like he makes me feel so safe, so secure, so confident. And even when I lose that, like, I just know if I go back to him, like, I'll get that again. Oh, that is so beautiful. <laughs> no, seriously. Ray and I just went on. Like, hang ourselves out a window in another my room. whole life. And we, <laughs> no, and, and how beautiful is that, that we get to have people that love us, that hold our identities when we can't hold them for ourselves. Yes, for sure. You know, I'm very lucky about that. Have that kind of capacity to see outside of ourselves when we can't. Yeah, do it individually. Oh, that was really beautiful. I just kind of want to sit with that for a second. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't realize that was so Steve. hard. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. How did your guys' moms talk or family unit <laughs> or whoever was around, you know, growing up for you talk about like body image specifically? Because I think like those messages had a really big impact on me. Like I remember when my mom would be like, oh my God, I was so bad today. I ate like two cookies or she would literally call herself fat. And like, we always had a scale in the house. Like, I think that was definitely a very 90s thing. Like there was a scale in the bathroom and like most of us in the house weighed ourselves like every single day. And I think it takes so much work to like rewire that stuff and... Mm -hmm. And even, like, my grandma would be like, oh, I don't know why. My family said a lot, like, the I'm going to be bad and eat this type of messaging. Yeah, I think I grew up a little bit with that as well. And I think I think it was just the time. Like, I think that truly was the time of, like, I don't know, low-fat yogurt. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where they're like, 
you just had to slim fast yeah and just all that bullshit and it's just like you know but then the generation before our parents was like you know like the 50s and that was like housewives and you know cinched in waists and crazy ass skirts and you know what I mean like that was that time and so I yeah I can see kind of where that came from but man I'm so glad it doesn't feel like that now like it feels like that's still in my household Oh, I think maybe in my household, but I mean that like for me, like I'm not mm-hmm. like in, you know, I've, yeah. I've lived out of my, like I moved out of home when I was like 18, you know, and like have been living abroad ever since. And so like I've been able to define my own norm, you know, like, mm-hmm. but it's interesting though, like obviously I don't have kids yet, but I do sometimes think about that. Like I catch the little things that like me and my partner might say to one another and, and I'm like, oh shit, we've got some like housekeeping to do here like little little lang little sort of things we say or attitudes around like what just like oh I didn't eat great today or like this or that or you know and it's and it's so harmless to us as like adults mm-hmm. but I, I think about like if I had a little daughter sitting in the other room who heard that like I'd be like absolutely fucking not but I allow myself still to do these things for me even though I know I don't want to carry them on generationally yeah is interesting because I see both sides of that because that was like a bad example no I don't think it's a bad example I think that's like kind of similar to what Ray was saying her mom said like oh I've been bad today you know what I mean but I I think like I grew up in a household where like everyone always watched their weight and it was such a big topic of conversation and it was also like passed down to us because it was like directly told to us you don't want to be just a pretty face you have so much potential don't be just a pretty face Christine I can't tell you how many times like I heard that growing up which definitely affected me because I felt like it didn't matter what I did, but like I was still fat. Do you know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Like, yeah, I was president of my class or whatever, but like I still had a belly. You know what I mean? So that thing's like for sure affected me. But at the same time, like there are some days where I do eat like crap. And like that, I like, that's not good. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I don't want like my kids to think like it's okay to have like a bag of chips for lunch because I don't think that is okay. And I think that's okay to educate them on that too. The only thing is like, you're not a bad person or like that doesn't necessarily define who you are because you ate those chips. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think there's necessarily virtue around it, but I just having like worked with kids and families, like I know they are just these little sponges. Like, Yes, they are. You know, and they just, they do as they see. And mm-hmm. so it's like whether you say the thing out loud or you do the thing, either way. And look, no... And no two people are perfect. Like, you know, it's just we're going to have to. I heard once on a a podcast that was like, I think, who was it? Might have been like Brene Brown. And she was like, no, I just, I did my job and now my kid's in therapy. (laughs) And then she was like, I made good peace with the fact that I did everything I could. But part of making peace with that was knowing that like, even trying to create this ideal environment for my child growing up and make that them feel like loved and supported and seen and like taking away some of the stuff that like maybe she grew up with, you're still going to have an impact and that still might take unpacking and understanding and reconciling as an adult. So I, sure. I definitely don't want the benchmark to be like of perfection. It's, it's that balance of understanding the impact of the homes we came from and the homes we're creating, but also realizing that there's fallibility in being human, mm-hmm. you know. I, I hope that like the environment I create in the future in terms of being whether it's around like the children you have or your relationship or even just this doesn't just have to extend to families and friendships you create culture wherever you go and I just want that to be something that has I don't think it's ever going to be perfect but I think the little secret weapon in all of this is letting there be dialogue Mm -hmm. 
Like letting there be conversations about how did you get it right? How did you get it wrong? Like how did what worked for you not work for me? And like creating understanding and insight around that because you can kind of overthink it to death a little bit. But if there's freedom to talk about it, and to realize, like, you'll probably find this with kids. Like, what works for one son might not work for the other. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, but it's not that one method was right or wrong. It's that they're two different humans, you know? And, yeah. like, I think that's true of us, too, in our relationships, whatever they are. Yeah, and I think it's really important to have that dialogue with your parents. And also to not feel so threatened and on the defense to everything they say. And I find this a lot with myself. Like, mm-hmm. There was a, like a point in time where my parents or my mom specifically would talk about food and I would get like so angry about it because I felt like it was a personal attack on me. Yeah. And like looking back, like I don't think it was like she was talking about herself and like maybe fine. Like obviously it's like, okay, well, if you're talking about it, about yourself and I'm like bigger than you, then you think this about me. And I think it's like hard not to have that narrative in your head. Mm. But I do think that you know, like our parents were raised a certain way too. Like my mom always told me about this. Actually, she's not always told me. She told me about it for the first time when she was here when Christian was born. About how like she had this like one dress that she loved so much. And then she like, I don't know if she was going to like a party or whatever. And then she came out and my grandmother um, was like, you would look so much better if you had a girdle on underneath. You know what I mean? So like and my 99 year old grandfather, the first thing he will do when you walk in the room is like comment on your appearance. Yeah. If you gained weight and lost weight. So, like, she was raised in a certain way, too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think that everything that she says, like, I have to be so defensive about. And I think it's really important to have those dialogues with your families because I know I'm not the only one whose families comment on their bodies and make them feel a certain way. And I think that you have to express how you feel. And then, in a way, like, let it go and set your boundaries and then just sometimes like choose to ignore it because how they feel about themselves like does not need to be a reflection on how you feel about yourself. A hundred percent. I mean, look, we are all products of our own environments. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we're talking today about our earlier environments, but we are now adults and we create a new environment. And I think the nice thing about this, I, I feel like this phase of life that we're in where there's a little bit more like receptivity to like, conversations or therapy or unpacking things like like out like my mom's generation like they didn't like going to therapy that wasn't a thing or like talking about things or like raising things with your parents that like didn't work for you or like impacted you in a certain way like that was just not part of it whereas I really hope that like our generation moving forward like we are creating our own environments that work for us but I I think like how your grandparents kind of stayed the same like Mm -hmm. same with mine and then but your mum then so couldn't circle back to them as an adult and and shift mm-hmm. it. But now that you've created your own family, you can welcome her into your norm. Yes. And and I, I've seen that with my mum. Like I've kind of, there have been things that I've crafted in my life that work for me that I want to be the way that it is. And I see her coming and being like, can I come here? Mm-hmm. Is, is this a place I can be too? And I just, I don't think it nece- necessarily has to be this like, generational trickle down like I think there is more softness and more space for our parents to come back to us now and us to them like it's not to say that we know everything of course we don't like yeah and and kind of be some community there and some maybe some healing or just better understanding of you know the things that didn't work and do it a new way and and and, and find a different approach to how we create our sense of self, our value, our belonging, and in turn, our confidence, you know? 
Christina, now that you have two kids, what do you plan to like do differently or in what ways are you changing how you were maybe raised or even in the same ways? Because I know you, your parents like instilled, you can do anything and like all that. Yeah. How are you like thinking about that when it comes to the boys? Well, I think that I, like Nicholas and I do affirmations and it's Aww, like so cute. I, I posted it. a video about him doing it once. It's just like the cutest thing ever. He'll be like, I am confident. I am strong. I am smart. And he oh like just God. repeats them and it's the sweetest thing. Um, but really, I think just like always talking about them in the highest regard mm. and making them feel like they can absolutely do anything and letting them do things for themselves. Like I know Nicholas will sometimes be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm like, baby, you can do it. Try again. Or like, we'll mm. try and make him do it so he can realize he can. And I feel like that just builds confidence over time. And honestly, exposing them to as many things as possible. Like we walked by this robot class in our neighborhood He's like, robots, cool. So then I was like, okay, he's too young for this class. But then I got like a robot building kit and we've been building robots at home, you know? So like little things like that. I think it's interesting when I think about like the food and body stuff, because I have found myself saying things like, oh my gosh, like look how skinny he is. Or like, oh my gosh, I I love your little belly. Like toddlers have like the cutest little bellies. I love it. Squish. (laughs) It's the sweetest thing ever. But it's really interesting for me to be like, oh, this feels like so innocent coming from me. But I'm trying to like figure out how to refrain myself from saying certain things. Like I know he's only two years old, but you know what I mean? It's, it's weird. Cause it's like, you don't want to cut off all dialogue when it comes to someone's bodies. But I have caught myself thinking like, wait, is there any, can I say this differently? You know what I mean? Yeah. Honestly, I just want my kids to be like super happy and super confident and self-assured. So I think it's just making them feel like they can do things. And I think that's very similar to how I was raised. I've obviously don't have children, but I've worked a lot with kids. And like, I think the thing that's stood out to me as being the most helpful is like showing them you're allowed to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. Because if there's a safe space where like, and I think this, this extends from children to our friends. Like if, if we're allowed to be fallible, if we're allowed to make mistakes, if we show up to apologize when we know we've like got it wrong, then there's so much more permission for the individual to tell you if something doesn't like rest well in them. Mm -hmm. Like I think we all have baked into us that sense of this something's not right here, this doesn't feel good in my body or this isn't who I am or it doesn't align. And it's like, but where the breakdown I think happens is that people don't feel like they can speak up and be like, sorry, you charged me twice. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like your mom would, like that's a strength. And I think with kids I've definitely, you know, had moments and I've been like, hey, just so you know, like what I just did then wasn't right and I'm really sorry and I didn't realize that I was doing X, Y, and Z and like their little faces when you do circle back mm-hmm. and I think, you know, and I've tried to extend that to my friendships. Like I've had, fr- you know, friendships where I've been like, hey, I just realized I was like not good to you in this way and it's not who I want to be and it's not integral to who I like the standard I hold myself to. So I I just really do want to apologize. And like, I've really tried to craft that into my life as being like a really wonderful apologizer, Mm -hmm. is that word? And I think that's a really big part of creating space for people to be, for their boundaries not to be infringed on. And I think when people's boundaries aren't infringed on, they're safer to be their confident and authentic self. Interesting, yeah. I wonder how, I, I haven't really like had that experience um, with my kids yet. And maybe they're too young to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. But something that I have found really interesting and like something that I enjoy doing is trying to like change this narrative of how boys should be. Mm. And I feel like having like a male in the household who takes care of the kids 
who does the dishes, who makes the bed, who does like the laundry. I feel like that's really important for them to see. 100%. And then also like when he's like Nicholas is having a tantrum. And obviously I'm speaking more towards Nicholas because Christian's four months old. Mm. Um, like when he's crying and stuff like that, like I want him to know that it's okay to feel sad. Mm. And like that's like something I yeah. always say. And I'm like, do you feel sad? And he's like... Yeah, or he'll be like, I'm not, I, I won't cry anymore. I'm like, baby, like, it's okay. You can cry. Because I feel like it's mm. really important to raise, like, boys, especially, who can express their emotions. 100%. I feel like not enough yeah. men know how to express their emotions. So that's something that's really important for me. Like, I want my kids to be happy. But, like, if they aren't happy, I want them to feel, say, like, no, it's okay to say they aren't, too. Yeah, full, feel the full breadth of their emotion. Yeah. I know, Ray, God, you don't I'm have like kids, but of- what do you think? No, I mean, I'm like, honestly, I don't have kids yet, but I'm like, honestly, well, I remember one time I was at your house and you were like, so chill, just like letting Nicholas like do all this stuff. And I like literally was like, oh my God, being a parent, like being a parent, I need to chill the fuck out. Like, and I know like before I have kids, I need to like really practice that because I definitely would be like, oh my God, are they like, oh, oh, no, no, like, and if you're always like that, like your kids are going to have no confidence in doing something for themselves. So like, I know that I like, honestly, just really need to chill the hell out before I have kids. And I know I'm not ready for kids yet. But when that day comes, I'm going to need to be freaking practicing this stuff and like going to reading every book and doing all this because it is like a lot of pressure. And I think it is so important to think about that before you decide to have kids, because I'm like, it stresses me out just thinking about it. I do think, though, like, the best thing that we can do to take forward to the next generation, whether we have kids already or we don't, is to live to ourselves. Address your own inner child first. Like, live to yourself how you want your children to know the world or how you want to treat your children when you do have them. And I think, like, that's kind of what I was saying before about, like, noticing these things now. You can say things to your children and it's so valuable and it's important to have that conversation. But I think what lands the the loudest is them watching. Like, 100%. Christina, like, how often do you catch, like, Nicholas like, watching you doing something? Well, I mean, he's my shadow. Totally. And I think, <laughs> you know, like, before they can even talk, they can see, you know, and, like not trying to make this like super deep but it, it it is very true I think and so it's just like if you right now live in a way that is like so kind to yourself and you create space for failure and success and good days and bad days and the full breadth of your emotion and like same for you Christina and same for me like if we're just already living a life with compassion and self-acceptance and confidence and the ability to express what it's like to be the individuals that we are, then I think kind of a lot of the rest takes care of itself. And I think probably some of the messaging that we received in our families growing up is because there wasn't as much acceptance back then. There was a lot more conformity, you know, and I'm sure every generation says that, but like I look at the ways in which like my mom growing up, you know, in New Zealand, she became, you know, a teacher. She was from a Dutch Catholic family. And so like back then the kind of, good girl thing was still a very big part of it you know be a good girl be a good wife be a good daughter and like it was there were so many more sort of infrastructures around that she had to conform to rather than just being and existing and trying to focus on what is authentic to her as an individual and so I'm like I just hope that that we're moving further and further from that Mm -hmm. but I think the biggest way that we course correct is first with ourselves 100% I could not agree more 
And it definitely. It's, and it's interesting when you look at your parents like that because sometimes I think about my mom and like obviously we could all see like our parents' flaws here and there. Like my mom came to this country when she was like nine years old. She did. Didn't speak a word of English. Her parents never learned English ever. Like grandparents lived in this country for like what? 40, 50 years, more, maybe like 60 years, 70 years. I don't know. How old are they? A hundred years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and never learned English. Like my grandfather, wow. you know what I mean? So like my mom and my aunt who were like eight and 10 when they moved her had to do every, had to learn the language and do everything for my parents. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so crazy. There was, I give my mom so much credit for being as badass as she is and like mm. the environment that she grew up in. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, we look, we're talking about, like, what did work, what didn't work. But also, like, we are now, like, defining it with new, like, a, a, a new mm-hmm. lens. Like, for your mom, probably, like, the, the pinnacle of success was being able to, like, never stop and get it done. And, you know, because she came from probably really hardworking immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. And so that was the value. So we yeah. talk about, like, I want you to value feeling all of your feelings. And so then our kids or families or friends, like, they then emulate what we think the standard is but mm-hmm. it's like the standards are always going to be changing they're always going to be evolving the next generation is always going to value something different based on what the world is at the time of their you know walking through the world kind of thing so I think like I've definitely had to find some kind of forgiveness mm-hmm. as I look back at like the generations before us and how it did and didn't work and I really hope that as I get it wrong in the future, <laughs> that like, you know, there's still some compassion and forgiveness left for for me as I create my own like family and, you know. 100%. And the environment. Yeah. And even before that, like, I think if you're trying to figure out, you know, change maybe some patterns or figure out you're, you're on this confidence journey, which we always talk about, like looking back at your parents and your family, like just like we just went a little bit deeper and also yeah start to think about like if you want to have kids and like how those messages you'll you'll portray them to them but yeah and exactly starting with yourself and trying to look at that and and honestly will help your confidence journey so much agreed couldn't agree more all right guys well we love you thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of going deeper please make sure if you like this episode to share it on social media, tag us in your stories and we'll repost them. And thanks again for always being so supportive. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at confidentcollective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.